Good evening and welcome to the Marriage Reform Prayer Call. My name is Kim Moore and I'm excited that you're here with us this evening as we continue to declare kingdom marriage in our nation. And we just bless you and we thank you. You know, there are so many prayer calls and uh, opportunities for you to pray. Uh, basically, round the clock, uh, you can find an opportunity to connect with God's people to pray. And so we consider it and esteem it greatly that you would choose to spend the next few minutes with us and uh, just appreciate God for directing your hearts here and for your responsiveness to what he is doing and what he's called us to do on this particular mountain of marriage and family. I'm not sure uh, whether we have anybody listening for the first time, but always for the sake and the courtesy of them, uh, just want to uh, just share that um, we, we are, our mission here is to partner with God to declare kingdom marriage all over this nation. We believe that God is restoring uh, marriage to the body of Christ and that he is resetting husbands and wives and with all the rights and responsibilities and privileges of kingdom citizens that are capable of doing his bidding in the earth. And, you know, you can learn more about kingdom marriage and uh, by going to Spotify or iTunes, wherever you receive your podcast. And in the search bar, if you'll just type marriage reform with Kim Moore, we try to get things up there. Um, and I encourage you, if this is your first time, to go out and check out some of those things. You will not hear some of these things in your uh, in the, the typical sermons that we hear and messages that we hear on marriage. And also, uh, if you're on for the first time, we jump on about 8.55 so that we can announce our name and our state and have some greeting and camaraderie with each other before we get started. So we welcome you to do that um, and take part in that. And, and lastly, if this is your first time, the format of this particular call, we've been praying every night of the week for marriages. However, Wednesdays has been our standing call since uh I want to say 2018, I think this is going on two years, if I'm not mistaken, that we have prayed every Wednesday night uh, for marriages, and we have declared and taught on kingdom marriages. Um, so this night is a little bit different, and the format for tonight is generally I'll make some opening remarks, we'll pray, then I'll teach on a kingdom principle or concept um, as it applies to husbands and wives, and then we pray the word that is taught. And on the first Wednesday of every month, generally we open it up at the end for questions or comments uh, relative to uh, what we're talking about and what we're teaching. And so we'll do that tonight at the end of the call. Um, no pressure. Uh, if there is nothing, we just keep it moving. But if there are questions or comments, we do take a few minutes to, uh, to respond and to, to give opportunity for people to do that. A um, couple other things before we get started. As many of you know, at the end of last year, the Lord has directed us to go to every state and U.S. territory. After having prayed for over a year and a half, God has directed us to go to every state and U.S. territory, the capital, and declare kingdom marriage. And we started that in January with the intention of going to one or two states a month as God opened up opportunities and and provided resources. We've been to a few states already, 
were early in the year. We were to be in Tennessee in March, and we were to be in Washington, Maryland, and D.C. this month. However, due to corona and the uh, many of the counties and cities have sequestering orders, stay-at-home orders, and uh, we just believe that we're going to ride it out and wait and not take on any unnecessary opposition as there's sufficient opposition to the task at hand. And so we will be keeping you posted. We, will, we do intend to continue. Um, we will not be deterred. We are simply delayed. And in the meantime, we will continue to pray and to teach and to continue to study and prepare for what God is calling for um, as, this, as this virus sees itself on out of, out of our, our, our eyesight, or however we want to call it, as it makes its way on out, as uh, it ceases and continues to desist in Jesus' name. Well, let's pray. Father, we gather in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. We come before you, Lord, not having our own righteousness, but the righteousness that is in your Son. We thank you, Father God, that in him we died and in him we live. We thank you that greater are you who is in us than he that is in the world. We thank you that your word tonight will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you, God, that you have bestowed your wisdom upon us, Father. Lord, your revelation, God, and your wisdom is uh, peaceful, easy to receive, God, and works the fruits of righteousness and right, a right positioning with yourself, Father. And so this is the wisdom we seek, Father. We just trust you tonight, and we keep our eyes on you that you might keep us in perfect peace. Now instruct your people, God, so that we know how to participate with you and how to move forward, God, in the midst of this national crisis. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I was planning to and preparing for today, I was writing some things down on the paper, and I just I couldn't get past a certain point. And so I ended up going outside and taking a walk, and I was like, okay, God, we only got a few hours here, so, like, what do you, what do you want said tonight? What is it that you want me to say? What is it that, what's, what's going on, God? Because this isn't, what I'm doing is not working. So what do you want to do? And so as I was walking, uh, I believe the Lord said to me uh, a couple things. But basically, um, tell them what I'm saying to them in the, what I'm saying to husbands and wives in the midst of COVID-19. Like, okay, well, God, what are you saying? And so I want tonight just to share some things with you. And one of the things he said to me, that marriage is, is his secret weapon. It's one of his secret weapons um, for this, this hour, but more importantly, the coming hour and, uh, that, that is coming upon us and as we emerge from, from this situation. And just I want to preface that why we're a secret weapon, why marriage is a secret weapon, Few things. One, back in 2015, the world redefined marriage to include same-sex union, uh, and and at that time, marriage was excluded from uh, that redefinition, as it was uh, it, it was 
antichrist or not consistent with the word of God. And some saw that the redefinition of marriage as a fatal blow to biblical marriage between a man and a woman. And if you notice, we've kind of almost, the church has almost kind of gone hush in the area of marriage, except for our few regular uh, things that happen or our marriage series or things like that. Um, but, but by and large, um, you know, has been somewhat quiet in that particular area. But this, another thing that has happened is there has been a tremendous increase in cohabitation uh, among Christians, among Christians. Personally, I know of uh, a woman that has ministry, been in ministry, uh, and who had made the decision to cohabitate. And so we have to ask ourselves, why are people choosing cohabitation over marriage? Christians. There's also, and that there's an increase in that, but also, also adultery remains prevalent. Uh, divorce continues. And I'm not going to bore you with statistics because I don't think that's really the purpose of this call. But suffice it to know, and you can Google these things yourself, and many of you, as well as me, know people that are experiencing all of these things, that are confronted with adultery, working through adultery, perhaps working through abuse or, you know, dealing with abuse. Some, you know, working through divorce. They're separated. They're separated folks that get on this call. And so there is a continuation of, of things that, that do not glorify God in the house of God in our marriages. And then, as I said before, um, and thirdly, the church has been distributing refined, processed, religious answers at worst to very serious challenges husbands and wives are having. And, 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 at, or, and at best, and that's at best, but at worst, the church has been largely indifferent when it comes to marriage. And so it is concerning to God when we think about the importance or the significance of marriage to the heart of God. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The Bible opens with the marriage of Adam and Eve. It closes with the marriage of the bride to the lamb. And Jesus' first recorded miracle was done at a wedding ceremony. And so it's not, that's not coincidental. And it also calls our attention to just how important marriage is uh, to God and in the heart of God. And then lastly, you know, the coronavirus, it's taken husbands and wives out of circulation. By I mean, husbands and wives and whole families are grappling with this whole thing of quarantine. Now, the first couple weeks, it was cute. It was different. It was fun. Everybody was happy, off from work. You know, we're doing new things. We're out in nature. I mean, all around, you see people buying plants and working on their garden. I mean, it's just, I take walks in my neighborhood. It's amazing how everybody's tending to home right now, not necessarily because they're using their their, they, they have the time, it, they do have the time. It's not necessarily because it's top of priority. It's something amazing and wonderful to do, and now we really have the time to do it because many are working at home, and um, we are asked for, and by and large, to stay at home. But in addition to this, the schools are closed, you know, uh, some schools, the systems I know here, the school system is closed for the remainder of the year, and I don't know if that's happening in other states, but here the schools are closed the remainder of the year. Folks are getting laid off. But here's the other thing. The unresolved marital issues that were 
still are, and in some cases will get worse with circumstances. Because what was cute, what was fun, what was a nice week off from work, now we're looking at another month of sequestering. I just learned today that our county has uh, put out an ordinance that unless you're going to the store or medical reasons, you are to be at home, that is on your property, with your family. No comings and no goings, you know, except for grocery shopping and, like I said, medical appointments. So we, this is the backdrop. This is the backdrop that God will use. Romans 5 and 21 says this, but the law entered so that sin might increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace might reign through the righteousness, through righteousness or right standing or right positioning or right alignment with God to eternal life through Christ Jesus. So there is a realigning, realignment taking place, a repositioning taking place. There is a grace that is available to us because of the, 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 the backdrop of those things that I have mentioned to you. And so there is a grace that God is pouring out to his people today. And then part of that grace is because God is repositioning marriage to be and do what he has always attended it to do, and that is to be a reflection and a representation of his kingdom on the earth. And, you know, there's a, there's a distinction. There's, there's a uh, there's a distinction, as I've taught before, between kingdom marriage and religious marriage. Um, and the, for those first, uh, first time on the line, I'll just give it to you really quickly. A kingdom marriage emphasizes principles, concepts that apply to all of God's people and kingdom citizens. These are truths that transcend gender, gender roles, gender needs. An example of a kingdom principle would be love. Love is not a gender. It is not confined to husbands loving their wives. Love is a kingdom principle, and every kingdom citizen is required to mature in love. And, you know, another one would be submission. But, again, if you want to find out more about that, I talk about those in much more detail. Again, just go to, go to Spotify. Ephesians 2.11 uh, through 22, Paul is speaking to the Gentiles about their former condition as alienated from the citizenship of God. But I also, I suggest that these same verses have spiritual implications and specifically for husbands and wives. And so I want to read to you, uh, I want to read to you verses 14 and 19. And I encourage you, as I always do, to go back and read these scriptures for yourself and you see how they apply. So here they are, and it says, our reconciling peace. And, and then one of the things that God wanted me to say to you tonight is that he gives you his peace. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ. By dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal through our union with Christ. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. The legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been repealed by his command. His triune essence has made peace between us by starting over 
forming one new race of humanity, Jews and non-Jews fused together. Two have now become one, and we live restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ. Through his crucifixion, hatred died. For the Messiah has come to preach his sweet message of peace to you, the ones who are distant and to those who are near. And now, because we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. So you are no longer foreigners or guests, but rather you are children of the city of, of, the, city of the Holy Ones with all the rights as family members of the household of God. Listen, we've been in a gender war way for centuries. I mean, we have been in a gender war since Adam and Eve. Um, and we, the church, men and women, husbands and wives, we must lead the way of peace. Verse 14 says that Jesus is our peace and makes us one. He is what makes husbands and wives one. The Bible says that a man shall leave his, his father and his mother and, and be, uh, and, and be uh cling to his wife, and the two shall become one. Well, this oneness is the same oneness that Paul is talking about for the Jews and the Gentiles. It says Jesus is our peace and makes husbands and wives one. And so during this national crisis, God wants husbands and wives to know that he has broken down every wall of prejudice, uh, gender prejudice, jealousy between men and women, um, and made them equal in union with Christ, that the cross has dissolved the hatred and the fear uh, that has existed between men and women for centuries. We're not each other's enemies. We're not each other's enemies. And then secondly, we are restored and must live restored. We must live from the place of rest and peace. And we cannot have peace with each other. That is, husband and wife can't have peace with each other until each one has peace with God. And that means, and that means different things for husbands and wives. But one of the things that God wants me to say to you tonight is He wants you to have His peace in the midst of this national crisis. He said, "Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid, for I have gone to prepare a place for you. And if I have gone to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself." Now we typically associate that with the life hereafter. But there is a place in this life that God is preparing for every couple because he's given every couple a divine assignment and he has gone ahead of you to prepare a place and he needs you to know that he is gracing you with peace so you make it to that place. And so for some, peace will come to you as trading your nagging your spouse for affirming your spouse. For another, peace might be, <clears throat> peace may be that God just wants you to attend to the repairs in your home. I mean, we don't want to over-spiritualize this thing. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, you know, you'll have peace if all you just need to do is pray more. Yes, it is important to pray, but sometimes peace comes from doing the mundane. By doing the things that seem unrelated to peace, God will release peace because his anointing is on the thing that he asks you to do. And the things that he asks you to do are loaded with his peace. 
And so sometimes, yes, read your Bible, yes, pray. But if God says, you know what, I want you to plant a garden out there because I want to teach you how I'm going to work in your life. God, I don't like garden. I don't even like the dirt. I don't want to get my hands dirty. God really is not interested in letting you like the dirt or want to get your hands dirty. He's interested in releasing peace and preparing you to, uh, for your assignment beyond this national crisis. You know, for another of you, peace might be uh, devoting more time to your children, not on your cell phone. It could mean that God wants you to lay down your cell phone for a couple hours. Go outside with your kids. Do something constructive. Teach your kids a skill or something. Maybe it's a great time to learn how to separate the clothes and do the wash. Maybe it's a great time to teach a child how to make a meal. This, these aren't independent activities. God wants you to live in relationship with each other, and the peace will come as we connect with God in what he's asking us to connect it. And so that's going to look different. Your marriage is supposed to look different from every other marriage. For some of us, you know, we work all the time, and God said, ha-ha, I got you now. You can't work like you wanted to work. So I need you to just learn how to sit and be with me and rest and receive my peace. So God's peace is loaded in what he's asking you to do. So it's important. It's very important that you ask God. He said, if you ask anything in my name, I will hear you and I will answer you. God is in a relationship with you. So, yes, the grace has been released. It's attached to the thing he's asking you to do. And you'll find joy in it as you do it and as you fulfill it. I promise you, I'm, I'm living proof of that happening. Things that are totally unrelated to what I think is important, I do them. It's like, wow, this wave of peace just fills me and comes over me. God is gracing you and imparting peace to us. Psalm 3711 says this, but the humble of heart will inherit every promise and enjoy peace, abundant peace. Psalm 3737 says, but you can you can tell who are you can tell who are the blameless and spiritually mature. What a different story it is with them. The godly ones will have a peaceful, prosperous future with a happy ending. And then John 16, 32 and 33. And the time has come when you will be scattered, and each of you will go your own way. Isn't that interesting? We're in a time where we are kind of scattered from one another. Our churches are scattered from one another. No, I know we're online and we're all congregating online, and that's great. We're learning how to use technology. We're becoming proficient. You know, these are wonderful things. But please understand, there is no replacement for human contact, for human touch, for a human hug. There's no replacement. I don't care how proficient we come. I don't know how great the technology is. Technology will never be able to compensate or replace what God intended. And what he intended was that husbands and wives would relate to each other, that they would connect with each other, and they would run the world. And the problem is we try to run each other and relate to the world and relate to technology, relate to our phones, relate to, to whatever the latest thing is. And God is saying, wait, you got this backwards. I want you to learn how to relate to each other. So I'm going to allow this thing to happen, and you're going to be sequestered. And in the meantime, I want to teach you and show you how to relate 
and show up and be present with one another in the absence of being able to do it. So for some of you, again, it's, it's, it's maybe it's just putting down your cell phone for a couple hours or deciding when you're interacting with your child, the cell phone goes down. It says, Jesus says this, yes, I am never alone, for the Father is always with me. Verse 33, and everything I've taught you is so that peace which is in me will be in you, and I will give you great confidence as you rest in me. Wow, look at that. As we receive the peace of God through the activities he has assigned for us, then we will grow in confidence. We will grow in confidence, and you'll see it in your own life as you apply yourself to what God is asking. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. And then you well know Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Wow, his peace is attached to an activity. And this activity happens to be letting your requests be made known unto God and thanking him for answering you. Then you will experience peace. One of the challenges you and I have is we'll throw up a Hail Mary, we'll throw up a request to God, and then we keep on running and moving on versus stopping and thanking God and pausing until the peace, till we get the confirmation of the peace. So that's for some of you out there. You have asked God. You've made your request of God. You've even thanked God. And God says, now wait for the confirmation of peace. Be still and know that I'm God. He said that peace exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ. And then this is the second thing he wants to do, and I'm going to introduce it with this verse. It's in Job 22, 21 through 23. It says, now acquaint yourself with him, and here we go again, and be at peace. Thereby, good will come to you. Wow, we need some good in this national crisis. We need some good as we're held up at home. We need some good as folks are losing their jobs and don't know how they're going to pay. We need some goodness to come to us, and God says, here's the way it comes. Acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Receive, I pray, the instruction or teaching from his mouth and lay the words, his words, up in your heart. So here's the instru- Here's what he's saying. Acquaint yourself with me, be at peace, and thereby good will come to you. So again, if, you're acquainting, if we're acquainting ourselves with him as husbands and wives and we're at peace, then we have to wait for the confirmation of the good to come. But then he goes on to say, receive, take the teaching, take the instruction, and store it up in your heart. Meditate on it. Think about it. And Joshua says, I wonder if you will meditate on my word day and night and purpose to do according to all that is therein, you will make your way prosperous. So the instruction God wants husbands and wives to receive, so the first thing, now I love how God works, because when I asked him, what are you saying? He said, first let my people know that I am dispensing peace. I am dispensing volumes of peace right now. I am releasing peace all over the place right now. The peace of God I am releasing, and I'm gracing my people to receive it. 
And why peace? Why rest? Because in peace, the word peace in the Hebrew, the word, the, the, the meaning of it is this. When you are at peace, God is destroying the authority of the one causing chaos in your life. So as we fight to be at peace, then, and we are in this place of peace, God is at work. When we are at rest, he is at work. And he has allowed us to be sequestered at this time to bring us to a place of rest so that he can be about the business of working, destroying the authority of the ones that have been creating chaos in your life. And so the instruction, the second thing he wanted me to give you, one, he's releasing his peace, and number two, he has some instructions for those that you, of you husbands and wives that have received his peace. And, 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 and we're talking about preparing, not panic. Prepare means to make someone or something ready for use. God is making husbands and wives his secret weapon in this hour, still sheathed, and arrows in his quiver, he is making them ready for use in this new time and in this new era that we will emerge from this national crisis. Panic is a sudden uncontrollable fear or anxiety that often causes us to uh, do unthinkable things, to act prematurely, to be presumptuous. It just gets us engaged and moving uh, in frantic and in ways that God is unable to use us. And so the grace of God, the peace of God, um, is for us to prepare not to panic. The Bible says the righteous have never been forsaken, nor has their seed been found begging bread. And I believe that God is going to be asking some husbands and wives to do some things that don't make sense or you can't see how they relate to your next thing or to what God has called you to do. And I believe he's saying that if you trust the process, you will see what he is about to do in your life. So there's six things, six instructions. Here they go. One, um, many of us, well, first of all, many of us are already preparing in this month of quarantine. You know, we're making sure they're telling, make sure you have enough supplies for, for a month, make sure you have enough food, you have, you know, ample things that you need to, to function. Of course, you got to have your toilet paper. Don't forget your toilet paper now. Get a couple extra rolls because we're going to go a month. So we're already preparing naturally, but God is instructing husbands and wives to prepare spiritually because he is making you ready for use on the other side of this national crisis. And so it's critical, um, it's critical that we take through this preparation, um, particularly those of us that are believing and praying for revival, and many believe that we're headlong or rapidly approaching the last days. So this preparation is, is important. So here we go. Here we are. The first thing. Um, wow. Let me let me step back a second. I I just jumped over something that I think is important. Please uh, indulge me for for a minute because I really think this is this is important. Um, 
that you, oh, oh, here we go, here we go. Okay, I lost my place. Okay, here we go. So as we're being held up or hold up as husbands and wives, you know, each of us have an assignment that God has for us because he is interested in populating his kingdom in the last days. He wants souls in his kingdom. He wants kingdom citizens that are able to function and carry out kingdom assignments. Um, and, and so that means every husband and wife in this hour must learn or must know and be ready to engage in the sphere of influence that God is assigning them, both individually but most importantly as a couple because you work together almost as a right hand and a left hand. You're working together in an assignment that God has given you. And that means that every husband and wife needs to be able to sit, walk, and stand on his or her own as well as they can. Um, and and if, they're, if they're going to successfully sit together, walk together, and stand together as a couple. Now, sometimes, you know, it does mean that a wife is carrying a husband or a husband is carrying a wife. And there are special circumstances. But for all intents and purposes, to the level of our ability, we each one must be able to sit, walk, and stand on his or her own uh, in order to be able to fulfill this assignment God has for you. And Ephesians, the sixth chapter, spell out the strategy. Verse, uh, chapters 1 and 2 talk about sitting. Chapters 3 and 4 talk about walking. Chapters 5 and 6 tell us how to stand and how to position ourselves to go forward. Um, the other thing that's important is that God has given each couple a unique assignment. And so your marriage is supposed to look different from everybody else's marriage. That's one of the problems with religious marriage. It makes all husbands the same and all wives the same. It doesn't account for the individualities, the, the uniqueness or the, the individual or different skills. There, that's why what we taught of marriage in the 50s, most many couples find that it doesn't work for today's millennials. Why? Because... If it doesn't work, please understand, if something we taught in the 50s does not work now because of the circumstances, we have to ask ourselves, was that really truth? Because truth transcends time, it transcends generation, it transcends people. So if what we taught in the 50s is truth, and not instruction and good advice, then it still should work effectively today. And I don't know that it does in the couples that I work with in counsel. And so kingdom gives you an opportunity and the space to become who each one is and honor God in the midst of it. God desires unity, but he doesn't want uniformity. If God wanted robots, he would have made them. And so uh, every, every husband and wife is different and unique. And you are custom fit. A wife is custom fit. She is appropriate for the limitations and weaknesses that her husband has. They fit together. And so it's only when affirming the strengths of each other do we find where we fit best. And that's another time when I just want you to know that your marriage doesn't have to look like everybody else's. I looked on TV last night. There was a lady 
uh, engaged. They may be married by now. The, the husband had a developmental disability, mus- muscular something, but it made his muscles very weak. He was contorted, uh, and um, he needed help just about with everything. And his wife, uh, she kept saying to him, they asked her, what is your biggest fear? And she said, or what is your biggest concern? And she said her biggest concern was that her husband uh, would feel that, 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 that her taking care of him at that level was a burden to her. And she wanted him to know that he is not a burden. I, it, it, just, it blew me away that she, was, she said this. And when you see the visual of it, you're like, oh, my God. But over and over, she said she wanted him to know you are not a burden. And she married him after this disability. So all I'm saying is their marriage looks very, very different, very different. And so kingdom provides for that. Religious marriage requires you to look and be the same as husbands and wives, and we're suffering because of it. With this peace and with the assignments God is releasing during this COVID-19, he wants you to understand, one, peace, two, that he is <clears throat> the assignments that he has given or the new ones that you will receive are a company with an unprecedented precedented amount of freedom to be and become who you are in your marriage so that you can fulfill the assignment God has given you. And it may not look like everybody's marriage in your church. It doesn't mean that it doesn't glorify God. So I want to give you um, a few things, five or six things really quick that you can do to move into this direction of being ready Uh, when this national crisis is over. One, pray and ask God his assignment for you as a couple. Well, first as individuals, but, but most importantly, because we're talking about marriage, as a couple, God has something for you to do as a couple. And he, and you need to know what that is when the quarantine is over, because we are in a divinely orchestrated reset. And so when you know what your divine purpose or your divine assignment or your next is, it makes everything else clearer and the decisions you need to make a whole lot clearer. And I'm not talking about an assignment to get my next house or my next car. That's just part of the assignment. That may be part, but that's not the assignment. You must leave quarantine very clear about what your God-given assignment is for next, and maybe you already know it and just simply need a reminder, God, please refresh me. Please make it clear during this time. Please confirm it to me so that I leave this time prepared and ready to do what you would have me to do. He said, if you ask anything in my name, according to my will, I will hear you and I will answer you. God wants you to know your assignment because if you don't know it, then you can't work with him in it. And then some of you may have blown it, or, or some of you may not know it, ask. And then some of you might feel like you've totally blown it, blown it. And you're like wondering, how could God ever use me? How could God ever use my marriage again? Woe is me. And, and you just really feel like, you know, it, it, what's the point? God can't use me. I've destroyed my life. Let me tell you something. A righteous man falls seven times, but he will rise again. And you will rise again. 
And what has happened to you, however you have blown it, it does not define you. That's not your identity. Jesus Christ is your identity and his assignment, his gifts and calling are irrevocable. And I command you to get up in the name of Jesus and ask the Lord, what is it, Lord, you would have me to do? And those of us who have been forgiven much, we are the much more eager to want to show our love for God by accepting and carrying out the assignments he has for us. You are in a time of unprecedented grace. See to it that you don't squander the grace on video games. See to it that you don't squander the grace on, 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 on all of these things that, that are not necessarily wrong, but they may not be germane to you carrying out your purpose. Number two, practice, practice exercising all the rights, responsibilities related to that assignment. We have to become single-minded in this hour. The Bible says if your eye is single, your whole body will be full of light. Your whole body, every pore of your being, must reverberate your assignment. When you wake up, you've got to be thinking about it. When you, I tell you what, I think about marriage every single day I get up. God, how can I communicate it better? What are you saying? Where do we need to go? It is my waking thought to pray for you, to think about you, to care about what God is saying and doing in the area of marriage. It guides my life. And that's what your assignment has to be to you. You have to love it so much that you won't leave it. You have to love the assignment so much that I don't care what happens, come hell or high water, there are people that have said to me, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you keep doing it. How do you keep talking about marriage? How do you keep writing on that thing based on what's happened to you? And I said, it's not what has happened to me. It's not what I've gone through. It is what God has brought me through for his purposes. And when you know your assignment, Listen, nobody will be able to get you off your game. I remember speaking one time and a lady said to me, you know, I don't mean to get you off your point, but let me just play a little bit devil's advocate, you know, thinking she's going to trip me up. And so I let her ask her question. And before I answered the question, I simply said this to her. First of all, you didn't put me on this point. Therefore, you don't have the authority to take me off this point. And then after I just paused for a minute, I said, so now let me answer your question. And the point that I'm making to you in all that, when you know what your assignment is, and each of us have one, your marriage has one, and when you know what that thing is, you will be like a dog on a bone. Nobody will be able to take that thing out of your mouth. If you are doing it all by yourself, you will do it all by yourself. And so that's the kind of tenacity that God wants you to emerge from this crisis that we're in. Um, there are disciplines and habits that are, that are necessary, that are related to your assignment. Well, you don't begin those exercises and disciplines on the other side of the crisis. God wants them fixed and in place now so that as you move beyond the crisis, these things are already habits. So think about it. What does it say? To create a habit, it takes 21 days? Well, you've got a month, the whole month of April. So what habits are necessary to you fulfilling your assignment, your assignment successfully and sustainably? 
Because we don't want you to go out and fly. God doesn't want you to go out and be a one-hit wonder, fly up and have a great time and and then fall because you don't have any girth, you don't have any substance, you don't have any discipline or habits to support what you're doing and your effectiveness. And I'll tell you this, as your assignment, as you grow and as you influence and reach more or do whatever you do and get more into this thing and more successful with it, you'll need the benefit of those habits to keep you going, but you'll also need those habits because you will become discouraged in fulfilling your assignment. And so when you become discouraged, it's the habits that keep you in the game. So what are the habits, God, that you want me to develop that are related to my assignment? See, everything revolves around this assignment that God has given you and begin practicing them now. The other thing is your assignment affords you freedom and uh, freedoms that are unique to that assignment. So you may have freedoms in areas that I don't have freedom. I may have freedoms in areas that you don't have freedom. But managing that freedom is critical to keeping it. Managing the freedom that comes with your assignment is critical to keeping it. So with freedom comes the responsibility to conduct yourself as a kingdom citizen. It also means willingness to take inventory to evaluate the things, uh, whether the things you're presently engaged help or hinder you as you, uh, as you embrace this assignment. Because there's some things in all of our life that are not helpful, and they're hindrance, not necessarily they're wrong. They're, and so we have to take inventory. Once you know that assignment, you know, once you begin to practicing the habits, you know, and, 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 and begin to take in the inventory. Listen, your gifts and your skills, the, uh, the, the gifts and the anointing, they're gifts. God gives them to you. But your character and your stature are what you'll give back to God. So you can function with an anointing for a while, but your character or your stature will always undo you in the end. And so we have to take inventory personally. What is it about me that God wants to change? And I said before that one of the, the luxuries that Christian, that kingdom citizens will have to give up is the luxury of blame. Because when you blame, you defer responsibility from yourself to others. And as long as you're not taking responsibility, you can't engage in any process that God would have you to change. The next thing is, the three, is that, you know, you need to evaluate all the resources presently available to you uh, related that, that are needful for this assignment. So what is going to be needed for you to carry out this assignment? So, you know, one of the things that we're, we're doing, we t- God told us to take the kingdom marriage, this message, every state, capital, and, and every U.S. territory. Well, what do we need? Well, we need somebody on the ground in each of those areas. We need resources. We, we need money to get to these places. We need transportation. We may need to stay somewhere. All kinds of things that are related to that particular assignment. It's not that I have to gather them myself. It's that the war chest belongs to God. If he called us to this assignment, then he must provide for the assignment. And so here's the thing. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, and it could be a woman. And so when you get serious and single-minded about your assignment, then you become less double-minded looking at this or looking at that or figuring out how this is going to move you forward or advance you or you need to be around this person. You just need to be with God and yourself, and he will connect you with who he wants you connected with to fulfill your particular assignment. So take inventory. 
You know, look at list the skills and abilities and the spiritual gifts you have and your spouse has, your interests, your proficiencies, your competencies. Listen, forget what you're told about, you know, husbands have to be the, you know, they have to be the financier or the husband has to or the wife has to cook. Just for a minute. If you like it, if, you, if that's you, then pick it up at the door. But just for a minute, just get in the room, you and your husband, and, it, and make it fun. You know, burn some candles or something. You know, I don't know, but get in a room, get a poster board, put a, a thing down the middle and, and, and just list your skills and your abilities and your spiritual gifts. And, and then the wife list, list and, and, and your spouse list there. Um, maybe do it individually and then come together. And then the third part of that is maybe list out your spouses. You know, a, 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 some affirmation and acknowledgement goes a long way to building love back into your relationship. And so these are the things. This is part of the preparation. You've got to know what you're working with and you're working with each other. This isn't a time for pride. I'm going to tell you pride will kill you and forever derail you from completing God's assignment. We're in a time where we need maximum humility. So whatever whatever area you're proud, wherever you have derived your significance up here till now, your, uh, your humility is in this. We are all dependent on God. People would tell me all the time, you say, you know, I live by faith. Listen, you don't know what living by faith is until you don't have a regular paycheck, until you literally, okay, God, well, where is this going to come? How is this going? Since 1996, that's pretty much how I live. So the point that I'm making to you is this. This is not a time to be proud. It's a time if you need help, you got to ask for it. It's a time to humble ourselves. It's a time to be vulnerable. It's a time to recognize, you know, where we are. And I recognize there are some couples that aren't even at this place and maybe need to take a few steps back um, and to come into this place. I do recognize that, and I'm not insensitive to that. But this is the instruction of the Lord to the husband and wife that profess to know him and say in their heart that their allegiance is to him. This is what he's asking for. Listen, except for your reproductive capabilities, there are few other things that are, uh, that are things that, that have a gender assignment to them. There's no gender assignment to taking out the trash. That's something we like to say, that, that the husband will take out the trash. Listen, your hands work. Take the bag out of the trash, wife, if that's what needs to be done. That doesn't, that doesn't define you whether I take out the trash. It doesn't define a... a uh, a husband to cook, that's not who you are. That's something you do. Stop confusing who you are with what you do. That's one of the challenges in religious marriage. It marries who you are with what you do. You are married to God and each other, and what you do is not, is not, a, it's not a, a, a definitive statement about who you are. Cooking is, 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 not, is not a gender thing. The most famous chefs that we see on TV are men. So you have to get out of this mold, this thinking, this stinking thinking that has bound you in marriage rather than free you up to be the people God 
would have you to be. See, once you're clear about your assignment and have a good idea about what each of you bring to the assignment, then God will begin to show you opportunities to see and learn more individually and together about that assignment. If he did it now, you wouldn't even know what you were looking at. So you first have to know what the assignment is so that when you see it and when the opportunities come, he will train your ears to hear according to that assignment. You will see things in terms of that assignment. And so it's important that you know your assignment. And then next, number four, consider the cost. What will your assignment cost you? We're talking about how you're going to emerge on the other side of this national crisis. God is overhauling some of your careers. God is changing things because he is at work in this hour, and he said that he will not be denied, that many are our plans, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. And there is a counsel of the Lord concerning your life and the assignment that he has, has decided for you and your spouse. So you have to count the cost. You know, money is only one aspect of the cost and the one we tend to put the most emphasis on. And if you're waiting for money to say, well, I can't get started on the assignment because I don't have money, then you really missed the other previous steps that I talked about because you don't need money till the other things are in place. What relationships might it cost you, you or your marriage? You know, sometimes your assignment is going to cost you some friendships. Ask me how I know. And what uncomfortable changes, what discomfort is God asking you to endure to carry out this assignment? Because there's some discomfort attached to your assignment. Oh, there's some benefits and perks and some freedom, but there's also some discomfort to carrying out your assignment. But here's what I've learned. Whenever God is leading you into something new, a couple of things are happening. You can count it. The first thing is there are people in your life that are not related to that assignment, will not be going with you, cannot help you carry out that assignment, and the relationship with those people will have to change. Sometimes God will change it for you. If he does, don't try to get it back. Other times he will ask you to modify the relationship. It could mean that you just don't hang out the way you did before. It could mean that, you know, perhaps God changed your church. I don't know. It could mean that, you know, there's some people that are just a hindrance. They're not necessarily bad people, but what they're doing is not helpful or the way they live is not helpful to what God has called you to. It won't encourage you. It will detract from you and diminish you. And again, it's not that they're bad people. It's just that your assignment has specific things um, that are attached to it, and anything or anyone that diminishes that is working against you and not for you. The second thing you can count on The second thing that you can count on um, is that whenever God is bringing you into a new place, a new assignment, as we will all emerge into this new place after this crisis, God will have to add people to you. He will have to add new people to you. And, And the reason why is because you cannot take yourself completely where God would have you to go to fulfill the assignment. In other words, you can't do it by yourself. Also, 
since you've never been where God is taking you, you will need someone that will go ahead of you and take you. That is in John 21, 18, where Jesus, you'll recall, Jesus was interacting with Peter, and three times he said, do you love me? And Peter got upset because, God, you know all things. You know, of course, I love you. And then Jesus says something very interesting to Peter in verse 18. I tell you the truth. Now, Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, and Jesus just said, I'm telling you a truth. This is not a suggestion. This is not an instruction. This is true. You can take this to the bank. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to him to let him know by what, what manner of death he would, would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and sat, saw behind him the disciple, that was John, who Jesus loved, the one who leaned on over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? And Jesus replied, if I want him to remain the same or remain alive till I return, what does that have to do with you? You follow me. That addresses two things here. One, when you started out in this marriage, you did stuff the way you wanted to or the way you understood, the way you were taught, and all of those kinds of things. And that's, that, okay, that worked for a moment. But Jesus says, now that you're old, now that you've been in this thing for a while, now that I've got you here sequestered, please understand that, that you will stretch out your hands, which is a sign of humility and vulnerability. And others will dress you, which means they will see your weaknesses and your nakedness, and they'll cover you, and they'll take you where you can't take yourself or where you don't want to go. He says where you don't want to go. That don't want to go has to do with the discomfort that I just spoke to you about. Many of us won't necessarily die a natural death, but it'll feel like it because you'll be being separated from your flesh to fulfill God's word. I mean, we could go on and talk about that. The next thing, the fifth thing, because I want to take your questions and comments. The fifth thing is um, be willing to incur rejection, betrayal, and being under, misunderstood and hardship. Life is changing as we know it. We will either emerge into something new, beautiful, possessing new skills and abilities, new love and grace, and, and, and just love for one another as husbands and wives, and I'm believing that will happen that there will be a new joy husbands and wives experience as they embrace the assignment, the unique and different assignment that God has for each one of them. But also some will emerge, and sadly some Christians will emerge, and they will suffer all the more for not having taken hold of the opportunity that is presented to us through COVID-19. And then lastly, number six, um, in this hour, as we emerge and as we fulfill our assignments, we must bleed love and compassion. The higher you go in your assignment, the more people you influence, the more truth you walk in, the more wealth God gives you, the more gracious you must be. And that means we can't react, we can't retaliate or take revenge. 
we have to take up our cup and fill up the suffering that remains, as Paul said, from Christ. And so I'm excited. I think we're in a great time. God has released his peace. Father, I thank you for releasing your peace on this call tonight. I thank you, Lord. As sure as I'm sitting here, I know you have given this word to your people tonight. I thank you and I praise you that I speak not of myself but of you who have sent me and glorified yourself even by confirming the words that I speak tonight, God. Call these words to go far and wide and deep into the hearts of husbands and wives that are hearing tonight by phone or will hear by replay. I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that their hearts are not troubled and they're neither afraid because you are with them, God. You said in your word that they ought not be afraid. Be not dismayed because you are strengthening them. And I believe that your instructions are strengthening your people. Now call each one that seeks your faith and inquires of you about their assignment, Lord, as individuals and mostly as a couple, God. What will you have our marriage to do and be about, God? Each one that takes up this cause, God, I pray that you would make it abundantly clear what you would have that marriage to do, what you would have that marriage, uh, what assignment you have for that marriage. And then, Father God, I ask you in Jesus' name, Lord, just, just, just help them, God. Help them, Lord. Encourage them, God. Lord, to develop the habits and disciplines necessary to fulfill that assignment, that when we emerge through this crisis, Lord, that they emerge as pure gold, God, not smelling of any smoke or anything else, God, but having been tried and prepared and trained to go forward in your name. And then, Father God, help them to evaluate their resources. Most importantly, God, right now, have them evaluate the resources that each one brings. Lord, help them, God, to make a list, God, of all of the skills and abilities and spiritual gifts and competencies and interests that each one has. And then have them do it for each other. God, make it a fun, make it an assignment. And Lord, just continue to reveal your assignment to them, even through this, confirm it in Jesus' name. And then God, give each one in this time, Lord, the uh, grace to take inventory, God. Lord, to offer themselves to you. Lord, that you might even perfect yourself in them, that, Lord, that you would give them your glory, that you would release more of your authority and more of your power in them as they release more of themselves to you, God. I thank you that you would even grace them to come reason together, that you might acquit them of any sin or weight that easily does beset them. Uh, Lord, I pray for the supernatural grace right now, God, to depart from sin, Lord, to be cleansed and holy because you are holy in Jesus' name. And help them to count the cost, God. Help them to be willing to to endure discomfort for the sake of the gospel. Arm them with the mind of Christ. Lord, gird them with with truth, God. And I thank you that every couple, every husband and wife has the breastplate of righteousness on tonight, the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, which is your word, and their feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel. And yes, Lord, the helmet of salvation. So I bless these on the call tonight in Jesus' name and give you the glory. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, Amy, I, I know we're at 10. I, I still, if those are on the phone, have a comment or a question. If you would help with that, that would be great. Amy, you'll need to star six if you're on the phone. Okay, can you hear me? I can hear you now. 
Yep. Okay. Oh, that was really great. Oh, what a challenge. That was really great. So as that sinks in, as you're taking in this this meet, if anyone has a question, you can go ahead and, and star six and we will hear you. I just want to say that was really great. This is Diana out of Charlotte. It was really good. Um, I think I just got to listen to this again. <laughs> is there a way that we can hear it all again? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give that information at the end. Yes, I will. <laughs> hey, Diana, it's good to hear your voice. It's good to hear yours, too. <laughs> I'll tell you guys when um, Kim and I are going around and she's speaking, I say, listen, if you need me to make any announcements, please, can I just go before you speak? Because after you speak, (laughs) we're all digesting. (laughs) And it's hard to to digest this good word and, and, you know, digest all this and ask questions. So totally understand, no pressure on anyone if you're just taking it in. But if you do have a question, star six. Well, while one is either thinking they have a question or comment, let me go uh, give the information. Diana, you had asked about Hearing this again, there are a couple ways you can do that. One, um, the easiest way is probably in about an hour, I will have this up on Spotify. Spotify, the Spotify app or your iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. And if you will type in the search bar, Marriage Reform with Kim Moore, it will come up with my picture. Um, I do that for ease. Um, and recognition purposes so that you'll be able to easily find it. And then you will need to, um, and, and and then just punch on it. And it, I think it'll be number 94. It'll be reference number 94. It'll be the latest one. And then you'll just be able to play that as often as you want. Um, you can also dial back into this number. Um, usually it takes about five or ten minutes to, to set up. But you can replay this call by calling 605-475-4755. I'm sorry, 605-475-4980. The reference code is 341-000-POUND, and the reference code is 94-POUND. So you can hear it that way as well. Okay, that's well, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also have encourage you guys for questions. You have any suggestions how to get both partners on both marriage partners on the same page? Uh, it starts with one. It starts with one, and I, get, I know that there are people on the call and um, that necessarily aren't at the place where they're able to sit down together. 
A um, couple things I would recommend. One um, is some coaching, uh, coaching or counseling, and, um, and, and, and really just to get to a place where you're able to um, – it, see, it's not just communication. What couples suffer from is a lack of connection. See, after they communicate, it doesn't result in connection. And, there's, and, and communication and connection have some skills in common, but, they have, but connection also has some different skills. And so if you just focus on the communication, but you don't look at the con, what's, what are connecting skills, then, you know, the, the communication just bounces off the walls. And so for the couple that don't feel like they can be in the same room, one, a couple of things I recommend, coaching, counseling, but also do the exercise for yourself. And here's why. Everything that I said is the kingdom is about kingdom. That means each individual has an assignment, and then collectively there's an assignment. Just like in the church, Paul said there are many members, but there's one body. There's only one overall assignment that the body of Christ is charged with, and that is to preach the kingdom of God. And uh, in doing so, God will populate his kingdom with souls. Um, and, 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 and so in, in, in the same way in marriage, each spouse has an assignment. And if they are married and fulfilling that assignment, and, and then, then it's much easier to work together. And so sometimes when each one is finding the assignment, yeah, there have to be modifications and things like that so it does work together. But it really does start knowing what your assignment is. It really does. It really starts with knowing what your assignment is. So you can do these, this exercise um, by yourself, actually. God, what is the assignment here? Every assignment has a character component. And so you may not necessarily walk out in your couple assignment right away, but I guarantee you every assignment, also the underside of that is your character or your stature. And so when you get to that number on inventory, that's going to become really important, and that's where a coach or a counselor could be very helpful to you. And by the way, if that is something you're interested in, you don't need to come to their play folks out there, but if that is something you're interested in or getting coaching on this process or kingdom marriage or how to live it out specifically and you have questions about your specific relationship, I do offer coaching and counseling. You can go to my website, more, M-O-O-R-E, onrelationships.com, and just click, I think the tab is coaching. And it tells you what it is, what it's about, what my philosophy is, how it works, and, and you can get all the information there if that is a resource or a direction that you would like to go as well. And on the website, there are also resources. There's a book called that I did for a conference. It's a real short mini book. It's called Marriage Manifesto. It talks about some of the kingdom principles as well. So there's plenty of stuff out there. You can When you go to Spotify, you'll see other things. Uh, one of the things we talked about, and I don't know who this applies to, but it, it, come, it came to mind just now, um, there is so much misteaching on the subject of divorce and remarriage. And I encourage you, if, this, if, that, if that pains with you, you really need to go back and hear the messages on divorce and remarriage um, because some of what we've been taught and how we've applied it as you'll see from the scriptures that I share 
on the uh, on those messages, you'll see that what we have interpreted to mean and what it means and what Jesus meant are two different things. All right. Well, I don't know if I don't shout me down, but <laughs> you know, one time I, you know, I mean, sometimes I just want to have one of those messages, you know, where it's like, you know, people are like praise God, how are you know, what I mean, because it's just like I, I know that people are in deep thought, and it's like, wow, I'm in the rest. But I tell you what, I'm, you know, I, I really just is me, and it, 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 you just got to trust that God, that you're doing what God would have you to do. And so I do. I really do. I love you guys. I bless you. Again, I thank you for sharing your time with us tonight. We will be praying tomorrow night at 9 p.m. for marriages. It won't be this teaching. We will get into prayer, some scriptures, a couple comments. But we are praying for marriages. We are praying that husbands and wives find their and reacquaint themselves with their divine assignment particularly that they would emerge on the other side of this national crisis uh, as pure gold, as just unstoppable force in the area of their influence. So we bless you in Jesus' name. And I guess, uh, Amy, if, did I miss anything? Are we good? You did not. You, you covered it all. We will see you guys tomorrow if you want to pray with us. Otherwise, next Wednesday, 9 o'clock. See you then. God bless Good you night. guys. Good bless night. <laughs>